When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I hope you guys are keeping safe and well during this lockdown that this podcast is bringing you some light relief during what is a troubling time. What I've got for you now is a very special interview with a very special player. Tony Green played for Newcastle United in the early 70s and although he only turned out a total of 39 times for the club, he's considered by many to be one of the best to have ever played in the black and white stripes. I caught up with him, socially distancing, to find out about his time on Tyneside and that career-ending injury which forced him from the top of the game into teaching. So sit back and enjoy. How are you doing in, uh, in lockdown? What have you been up to? It's a bit of a strange time, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've probably done more in the house than I've done in the previous 50 years. I've just been doing the house and finding, doing brickwork and painting the fence and things like that. I put a, put a tweet out the other day just saying, can you pass me your memories of, of Tony Green? And the word legend was used quite a lot um, and you, you're well remembered. Um, I'll just read out some of the, the tweets and just then we'll just get your reaction to some of them. Um, someone said, if it was not for injury, he would have been up there with War Jackie as one of the, our greatest ever the bloke was an absolute genius. Power, pace, trickery, and an eye for a pass and a fair amount of tenacity. What, what do you make of those those tweets then? I mean, it must be nice to hear those those compliments. Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, it is nice after all these years. Um, I mean, it's nearly 50 years since I played. So, um, you know, so you, you think people will forget after 50 mm. years, wouldn't you? Because they didn't play that often. So, um I just I get quite um, when I go up there, I get it's the only place I get quite emotional. Um, when I see St James's and everything, I get quite um, emotional about the whole place. Newcastle was a place where um, I don't know that they, they you either take to the place and, and love it or you're like a fish out of water. And there's some great players struggled there. I don't know why. And I think um, if you like it there, it's a, it's a fantastic place to play. So I, I just loved playing in the big crowds. I thought it was terrific. And like we said, we mentioned there, I mean, only the 33 games and then obviously the, the injury struck. Um, when you when you left Newcastle, and did you ex, um, did you ever expect people would still be holding you in such high regard? No, no. You, you just, you, I, I think we were all, because football said a new lease of life with television. And, but I think... Um, I think you just assume when you finish football, that's you finished. And I think you're always hearing stories about um, ex-players turning up looking for tickets. So I always say, I'll never, don't ask me why, but there was something in the back of my head says, I'll never do that. But then you get you get kids and they wanted to go, so you could gradually get drawn back. Can you tell me then about about the move to Newcastle, obviously, when you when you first got the, the call... Um, to say, you know, Joe Harvey wants you, wants you up in Newcastle. Yeah, well, I, I, um, 
I get tapped three times, and um, somebody said to me on the Saturday, I'm from the um, Sporting Times, could I have a word? And he said to me, Don Reavy is after you for Leeds. But I tell stories about Don Reavy after quite a lot of players and nothing ever happened. And then I think we played, the last game we played, I played for Blackpool, we played in the League Cup against Villa. And after the game, Bob Stoker says, Joe Harvey wants to see you. And I I, I like Joe straight away because he was just this blunt um, Yorkshireman. And I, I liked him straight away. So um, I just felt really signed. And that was it. I played in this, signed on Wednesday and I played on the Saturday. And what was Joe like to work with? You know, obviously he came across this kind of sergeant major kind of type. He'd been in the army. and he came across very brutish. But was he like that when you got to no. know him? Was he or was it? No, he wasn't sergeant major. It's very opposite. He probably, for the weakness, he wasn't too strict. Um, you know, like he would. I've told before we were playing um, Arsenal. And somebody says, what about Alan Ball? And he was just walking by me and he says to me, you're a better player than Alan Ball. And just carried on walking. And you think, oh, he thinks I'm better than Ball. Don't ask me why, but it, it makes you feel good. And he had a knack of doing things like that, Joe. That's one thing that always comes out about, about Joe is that um, John Gibson always tells us tells the example of with Supermac, um, he didn't need to encourage Malcolm but with someone like Terry Hibbert, for example, he had to, you know, encourage him, you know, you, you're a great little player. It seemed to have that knack for, for man management. Yeah, it was very you? good. It was, you, actually, you like playing for him. I love playing for him. You know, he's, um, he, he wasn't too, um, you know, negative about anything. You know, and really, to be fair, Keith Birkinshaw did most of the coaching and the team talks. But Joe came in and said he's too, you know, he's whatever he thought. And he was always good. He was always good to listen to. And we mentioned Malcolm there, obviously. I mean, you would have been supplying the the passes for, for, for Malcolm. What was it like to have someone up top of, you know, Supermac's kind of stature who you knew nine times out of ten of the ball got to Supermac? It was, it was heading in. Oh, yeah. It was, it, it was, I'd say for a couple of years it was the best centre-forward in Britain. I mean, you can't say the world because you don't know. But I mean, he was he was terrific. And I mean, his all round game wasn't the best, but it didn't matter. He's um, if you give him a chance, he'd finish it, and he would go. You know, there'd be boots flying, and he'd put his head where the boots were. So he's very, very, very brave, Super Mark. And that team that you were that you were part of, I mean, it, we had some exciting players, and yourself included. You had, uh, you know, Bob at the back, you Frank Clark, you had Terry Hibbert. I yeah. mean, it, it must have been an exciting time to be to be at Newcastle. Yeah, it was. I mean, really, well, I only played the year, but I mean, we, we all, Terry Hibbert was. I mean, he was a steal. He cost about twenty or thousand, and I think. Um, I think it was only because he couldn't get a game and Terry, he was, he was a lovely block, but if he had a chip in his shoulder, he couldn't hide it. So I think he used to call Reavy a fat so-and-so and things like this. So I think Reavy was glad to get rid of him, but I mean, he was he was a steal for 20-odd thousand. He was absolutely terrific for that sort of money. They say that uh, <laughs> Terry could uh, start an argument in an empty house. <laughs> and... Oh, he could, yeah. I mean, he lived there. I used to go to the Bay Horse with him in Dinnington and 
he'd, he'd, he'd even argue with the punters there, you know. And and I remember playing against Wolves and I gave him a pass and he, he, he sort of shrugged. And after the game, I said to him something and he answered me back. And then Malcolm McDonald got involved. And then before I knew it, the whole dressing room was in a Ferrari. And then the next thing, Terry comes over and says, you've not met my brother, have you? I says, no, he says, come on. So me and Terry go up to have a drink with his brother and everybody else is arguing in the... <laughs> in the changing rooms and he was a lovely block but he could start fighting an empty house and what was it like having someone like you know Bob at the back and and, and Clarky as well well to be honest I mean there, there was three there was Ollie Burton who got injured but Ollie Burton Pat Howard and Bob the three of them were terrific nowadays and then nowadays they probably play with the three of them and Davy Craig and Frank Clark because the two of them were Terrific players as well. So I mean, I know the whole. I mean, in those days, you could you had to play with a back four. I don't know why, but you had two at the back and two full backs. But probably nowadays, if they played with those, you'd not have been as good as most teams would have in the top division. Let's talk about some of the memories that you've got of Newcastle. Someone mentioned there uh, the Manchester United game where you left George Best chasing you. Is that is that a memory that stands out for you? That that I think was two nil two nil victory. I, I, to be honest, I forgot all about it, and I was up there with my wife about five years ago, and I got a taxi, and the taxi driver had it in his phone, and he's talking to me, and I'm I'm panicking because he wasn't even looking at the road. He's showing me this, maybe um, knocking George Best in his backside. So I, I, I never saw it till um, about five years ago. The taxi driver showed me it. <laughs> and what did that, I mean? What what kind of memories did that bring back? Well, again, I get quite touched that 45 years later, he's carrying a, a little thing in me. You know, so he must have thought it was great when I jumped in his taxi to get out this um, phone. So I get quite um, touched with the whole situation, to be honest. And the the game before that was the Hereford game, the, the FA yeah. Cup game. And, I mean, what was that like to play in? Because, I mean, that now even still, every time the FA Cup come, comes around, it's always shown in the high. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a... I don't know if it's ever going to get forgotten. It, to be honest, it was cancelled. They, they were a better side than non-league because they, they took West Ham to three games the next round, but the game shouldn't have been played. It was um, it was one. Of, it wouldn't be played nowadays. It was. It was. We we were we were in Hereford for about. I uh, not Hereford. Well, somewhere near there for about a week. So we went to play on the Saturday, and it was. Um, the following Saturday before we played. So um, I don't think they would play it nowadays. But having said that, you've got to adjust. They, they did. We were probably the better side, but they get the goal, so that was it. And there's a little rumour, whether it's true or not, that you were standing next to uh, the goal scorer and, and urged him on to shoot. Is that is that just a... Is that sort of that... That's... Um, that was um, Roger Hunt and Gordon Banks. If I was with it, you know, we did the pools yeah. panel. Every time, they, call us, they used to call us a wee man. And every time they showed that, Banks would say, oh, there he's telling me to shoot. And Roger would go, go on, shoot, you shoot. So it all started from them too. So every time they showed it, they, they claimed that I was saying, go on, shoot, you'll never score from there. But it's, it's all lies. I don't believe a word they say. What was... I mean, the, the, just the turnaround, obviously, from that game to the My United game and to go and then beat My United when you expected to lose, was that 
was that done within the kind of group of players saying like we've got to we've got to we've got to show how good we are? Was that down to Joe Harvey's kind of again trying? No, to, to be honest, I was quite surprised because um, I mean it still get talked about, but no ever give us you know I walked down the road in Newcastle and nobody shouted at me, and I remember thinking. If I was in Blackpool, I'd get a bit of stick for losing to a non-league club. I mean, everybody, you know, they just say, oh, you tried your hardest. And I was quite, again, I was quite touched by the whole situation. So that was as good an incentive as any. But you, you don't need an incentive, you know, to play every week. But I was quite touched by the fact that I don't think any of the lads get that much stick, you know. Um, we've had more stick since it finished years later than we did at the time. When you moved to Newcastle, did you understand how much the, the game means to people up here? Or was that kind of something you had to learn as, as you no. went on in your time there on Tyneside? No, I, I knew they, were, they, they, they always get big crowds, but I just didn't realise how um, you know, immersed they were in it. And I, I got the first, because there, there's no, t- there, you know, there was no like match of the day where. I mean, I came here and I knew David Craig, I knew Frank Clark, but I, didn't, I couldn't put faces to names because you, you, nowadays, you, if you play, you see everybody on television all the time, don't you? You only see a few games in match of the day. So the, there was no sort of... And then I got off the the train, I think the Saturday, and everybody started chanting my name and I thought, well, how do they know? You know, I've only played once for them at Everton. So, and I, you know, I, and I realised then walking up to St James's Park just it got to me then just saying it still gets to me to be honest when I go up there because you were you were up here a few years ago like you've said then and you, you went to the strawberry and you I think you signed the you signed a, yeah. there's a little portrait of you yeah? what was that like to to you know just to kind of because it's, it's one thing being told you're still remembered and you know and everything but I suppose to see something like that on arguably the fa- the most famous pub in Newcastle. Yeah, it was dead nice. What was that like? Well, I went with, you know, Bill Gibbs. I don't know if you know him. He's, he runs the Fierce Club. I went with Bill and he just says, he was an ex-player and the, the girl behind the bath, I think her and her husband ran it, she says, oh, your pictures up here and they're the, the best players in the last so many years and I was in the top 10 or whatever it was. She says, would you sign it? I said, oh yeah. And again, I get quite emotional. Um, so, you know, I find it terrific. You know, I enjoy it. Like, if I never get recognised, it wouldn't bother me. But when I do, I enjoy it, I must admit. When you, you were injured and it was a tackle and, and the knee came off, your knee came off worse, can you just explain a bit about what happened then, what your what your initial reaction was to, to, the, to the challenge? Well, I knew it was bad because I, I, I think I chased Mel Blythe and I, I wasn't a good tackler, but I was quick enough to just, I could nick the ball out away from people. You know, I could chase back and just, if he just gave me a glimpse of the ball, I could, and I, I think I just tried to do that and he just nudged me and I just went over and the whole thing went. Um, there was no blaming, you know, it wasn't his fault, to be fair to him. And um, I knew it was serious because it, I could feel the whole thing. It was really painful. And I, you know, I knew the slit stretcher was coming. I knew it was serious. And I mean, it, it's it's such a shame because, I mean, today you, you, you would have been, you know, um, 
probably into surgery and then you would have been okay and you, you probably were re- recovered. But back then it was, you were kind of doing sprints and what have you. Is that is that correct? Yeah, there, there was, um, they, they just, they put a splinter like um, to keep my legs straight. And uh, Rutherford was the vice chairman. He said, um, they can't operate because it's hot. And I don't know anything. Everybody else, you know, um, they have an injury like that. It happens on a Saturday. They got operated on the Sunday. So me and Tommy Gibber, Tommy was come back from injury. We were running up and down the, the terracing. And then I'd go back and put this um, splinter on. And... Um, so and then, uh, to be honest, I went to a Sunderland match, and the Sunderland surgeon looked at me and says, "You need an operation." You've got to. And that was about seven weeks after I'd done it. He says, "I said it's not getting any better." He says, "Oh, you need an operation." So back and then I got an operation. For the one that used to look after Blackpool at Wrightington. I'm not sure if after I I played in I played in against. Um, Coventry Reserves. Tommy Hutchison came because I played with Tommy. And Ian St John was a coach there. And I, I played well and I thought, this is great. I was back again. I phoned home and said, I'm right as rain. And I got up the next morning and I, I couldn't move it. It was stiff. So I must have asked right. It must have set in. And I, I mean, that was just, just must have been devastating for you to then kind of have that realisation that you were... You were never going to yeah. reach the heights. Yeah, it was. Um, well, you think you go silly for a bit, you know. Um, but in the look back, you probably they talk about therapy, but I think the Newcastle supporters were my therapy, to be fair to them. They were all terrific. And, you know, the testimonial, and Joe Harvey came in and he says, um, there's a league game on a Saturday, and he says, what team do you want for Friday night? And I said, well, he says, oh, no, he says, there'll be thousands of league games after this. So everybody was really nice to us, and that helped a bit. It didn't help a bit, but you know what I mean. And, I mean, there's some lovely quotes from Joe as well, you know, saying, after they made Tony Green, they threw away the mould. I couldn't hope to buy a similar player, not even for twice that amount. Well, I, I know. I had to console him when they told us I was finished. There was me, Fenton, I don't know if Fenton Braithwaite was a surgeon, and... Joe Harvey we went and Joe was worse than me when he heard that I said okay Joe <laughs> he was really upset well I was upset we were all upset so what you you had to kind of console Joe I had to console Joe he was more he was really oh yeah really upset about it and then I used to, when you used to see him you know if we're out socially he used to come up and say to me God if I could get another five years out of you that would have been unbelievable and I used to walk away feeling great, you know. So it was up. We always got on smashing. And what was what, what happened afterwards? I mean, is, you you became a it became a teacher. Yeah, yeah. I went well. I I'd done a year at university before I um, stayed on at school. Till I was eighteen, at the year at university. So I didn't know what to do, but um, I qualifications. So I just went to teacher training college for three years and became a math teacher. And I mean that was that's quite the quite the change in in uh, career. I mean, did you manage to actually teach any maths, or did the kids just want to know know about your your football career? Well, to be honest, at first first of all it w- was all football, but then 
I, I did a teaching practice at Wickham and there was about 40 kids outside the door asking for autograph. I was, I was really embarrassed. And then, um, you know, the stands of times, you know, like even when I finished, I finished about 13 years ago, people just vaguely, you know, they said, were you a footballer, my dad, you know. So it, the longer the time goes, people sort of, um, kids aren't engrossing it as much. Are you are you kind of like taken back by the comments of just how good people see yeah, you win? Yeah, well, when um, when I, my wife first went up to Newcastle, um, the first match she went to, we, we were driving back, we got into the M6, and she says, you realise, as from now, you're a normal person. Because she was that used to people coming up and talking, and because she wasn't with us when I was at Newcastle. So she was quite amazed um, at the reaction of people. If you say the next big signing they make and you get the chance to sit down with them, what would be the one thing you'd tell them about dealing with the pressure um, of, of Newcastle United? What would be the advice you'd give them? Well, I, I, to be honest, I think as long as they see you trying, you know, if you give, if they think you've given 100%, you know, it's ones that they, they think, if they don't think you've given 100%, you know, they'll not be as fond of you. But if, I think as long as you give 100%, they're, you know, they're quite happy that you're, you're doing that. Is there a one memory, one like a one game that sticks out for you um, at Newcastle United that you know that you'd like to share? The kind of the one story that always sticks in the back of your mind. You know, because I did the pools panel, and we used to have a meal, and it's have a few drinks in the bar, and then we'd go a wander. And this Newcastle supporter um, used to come and join us, and then we'd have a drink for us, he, his wife. And then the last day he came and, and we were just leaving. He says, can I have a picture? And I says, um, I'll go and get the lads. He says, I don't want them. He says, just me and you. So <laughs> Roger and the two World Cup players, he just said, I don't want them, just me and you. So I just posed with him. His wife took the picture. And, and I found that amazing. Being injured at such a young age and kind of yet to reach your peak, how was it Was it difficult for you in in the first kind of few weeks, few months to deal with that? Or were you kind of just like, right, this has happened, I'm going to have to... No, I think you, I, no, I, I think you, it takes you a long... I, I mean, I'm going to guess, say, six months. And then you, you just got to say, really, and just say, I've, a bit, I've got to go on, mate. You can't moan like this all your life. And, you know, um, probably needed, you know, you had to have a few beers before I went to sleep or... That and it'd be in my mind. And then you just got to see, I've got the rest of my life to get on. Right? I've got to have three kids. So um, you just got to get on with it. But it takes you a bit, it took me a bit anyway. They would get help, but I think the Newcastle supporters helped, helped me immensely through the whole thing. So they were always nice. And so, and then after about six months, you just start a new life. Um, that was it. You mentioned there the testimonial. Um, what was that like to see, you know, I think it was about 28,000, 29,000 turned up. Um, yeah. What was, what was that night like? Um, it was, I mean, it was a little bit of sweet, but it was, um, it, it was nice because I had all the family there. My, you know, my brothers and my mum and dad and my favourite uncle and auntie and that sort of thing and the two cousins and, and they were quite amazed and, and I wish I'd kept them, you know, loads of the doormen came and gave their pay packets and says, um, 
I don't I want to work for nothing for you. So I finished up with about half a dozen pay packets. And then Fenton Braithwaite, um, he was a director, he says, this will be an expensive night for you because you've got a big family with you there. He gave me £50. I said, no. And so things like that just made the whole thing. Um, I went back to the village in Dinnington and the fellow with the bay horse just said, bring all your family and we'll open as long as they want to have a drink. This is about two in the morning. So the whole thing was quite um, emotional. Um and to be fair, but it, it was nice. It was a bit, lovely memories of the whole thing. And you've kept, and obviously you've kept in touch with some of your teammates over the over the years. What's it like when you when you meet back up with the, the whether it's the fair cup, fairs cups do, or what was it like? You know, uh, it's, it's always nice to see them. You know, because they always got on well with Davy Craig and Ian McFall, Bobby Mincar. But, but you know, always got on well with everybody. So um, it's always nice to see them. We always have a good laugh. So it's nice. Frankie Clark as well. And Super Mac, he comes if I'm guest, he comes and sees us. So it's always nice to look, me do a bit of reminiscing. So it's been always been nice. <laughs> <laughs> 